As you hear that short piece of music, I think you can identify that the piano is being played, but you might think that there are other instruments. How many people are even playing? Well, first of all, they're all playing one piano, and there are 10 performers. We're hearing the Bode Piano Ensemble. Some of them are playing the keys, but the vast majority of them are inside the piano. They're plucking, they're bowing, they're doing all kinds of new things inside of the piano to create these sounds. We heard a piece by Stephen Scott called Four Note Aria from Baltic Sketches. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted. I'm calling today's show Playing It Wrong, a kind of playful title for the music that I'm going to be featuring today. These are all pieces by composers who are asking performers to play their instruments in ways that they're not accustomed to doing, that perhaps the instrument makers did not have in mind when they designed the instruments. So these will not be the traditional playing techniques for the instruments that we're featuring. Of course, as soon as any given playing technique has become conventional, there will always be somebody who says, yeah, but what if we did it this way? There will always be these unconventional composers who want to create new sounds. And when I mention unconventional, it makes me think right away of George Crumb, a composer who is perhaps a master of the unconventional. He is a composer who has a very particular sound world in mind, but creating these sounds requires performing these instruments with unconventional techniques. You hear this in Black Angels, where he has asked the string players to use glass rods on the strings. They're going to be glistening up and down with glass rods instead of their bows, which they would normally use. Let's hear a little bit of Kronos Quartet exhibiting this technique in George Crumb's Black Angels.
That's Kronos Quartet performing part of the seminal string quartet, Black Angels by George Crumb. The technique that he pioneered there is using glass rods on the strings of the instruments to produce that wonderful ethereal sound that we get. It's an otherworldly sound, part of George Crumb's overall sound world, but he had to invent this new technique in order to make it with acoustic instruments. So there we have an example of a composer who is asking a performer to play it wrong, so to speak, pioneering this new technique of bowing with glass rods. But sometimes the new techniques come from the performers themselves. I'm talking about cellist Francis Marie Witte, who has pioneered this technique of playing the cello with two bows. If you think about the cello, it's really hard to play more than two strings at a time because the instrument has a natural curvature to it. There are some composers and performers who have used curved bows over the years to try and play three or four strings, but it's kind of awkward. So here now, with two bows, she's able to play multiple strings on the cello at the same time. And you're asking yourself, how do you hold two bows in one hand? Well, what she's doing is playing with one bow under the strings and the other bow on top of the strings. And this allows her to play all four strings at the same time. Of course, lots of composers have taken advantage of this new technique that she's pioneered, but I want to feature a piece that she wrote herself. We're going to hear the Britsum Two Bow Chorale, written and performed by Francis Marie Witte, and again using two bows in one hand.
When you think about a chorale, whether it's sung or instrumental, we always think of multiple voices. But here we have a piece for solo cello. How is she getting all of those wonderful harmonies that we hear in that piece? Well, she's pioneered a new technique. She is playing the cello with two bows, one under the strings, one above the strings. And so she's able to get these beautiful four-voice harmonies, which is not something we normally associate with the solo cello. We heard the Britson Two-Bow Chorale. It was written and performed by the cellist Frances Marie Witte. And again, using this new technique that she has pioneered. I opened the program with several people playing the piano wrong, so to speak, playing inside the piano, bowing it, doing all of these things that perhaps the original piano technicians did not intend to be done. Let's return to the piano, this idea of preparing the piano. There's so many things that can be done inside the piano. It's almost like a sound world unto itself. I want to play a piece by a Korean composer living in Switzerland. It's called Sonorance by Jung Hai Lee. It was written for the pianist Barbara Laurence, also includes flute and cello. And the flute is also doing a variety of extended techniques, including air sound, color trills, multiphonics, key clicks, tone with key click, and flutter tongue. The piano has been prepared by having tape applied to the strings, which will later be forcefully ripped off. And then there are also glass rods and various and sundry other things inside the piano. Let's have a listen. We're going to hear an excerpt of Sonorance by Jung Hai Lee. Barbara Laurence is the pianist, Chelsea Chutra flute, and Nora Kral cello.
Wow, there's so much going on in that piece. It's hard to tell even who's doing what exactly. We heard a piece for flute, piano, and cello, but all of the instruments are being played wrong, so to speak, as I'm saying on the show today. Not the way, perhaps, that the technicians prefer for the instruments to be played. The piano is prepared. The flute is doing all kinds of extended techniques. The piece was Sonorance by Korean composer Jung Hai Lee. It was performed by Barbara Lawrence, Chelsea Chutra, and Nora Kral. What's well, an example of a piece that uses extended techniques in an ensemble, but let's hear a piece for solo instrument, in this case, the solo cello. A lot of the pieces that I found when I was researching this show were written for solo instruments. And when you think about it, it's not really surprising because if you're a composer and you're going to pioneer these extended techniques, you're going to go out and find these new ways to play the instruments, get these new sounds out of it, you should probably make sure that there's somebody somewhere who can actually do it, who can actually play these things. And so a lot of the pieces, unsurprisingly, are for a solo instrument so that the composer could work with the performer to develop these new techniques. The piece that we're going to hear is called Pression or Pressure by Helmut Lachenmann, and it's for solo cello. 
I think that the title almost refers to one of the techniques in the piece because he's found a lot of different ways to apply pressure to the strings, creating this very tense, gritty, kind of uh, aggravated sound, very aggressive sound from the cello. In fact, he's pioneered a two-handed technique for holding the bow, so one end of the bow in the left hand, one end of the bow in the right hand, and this allows you to just really apply a lot of pressure, a lot of torque onto those strings. We're going to hear an excerpt of Pression, or Pressure for Solo Cello, by Helmut Lachenmann. Our performer is Walter Grimmer. an excerpt of a piece called Pression by Helmut Lachenmann. This is a composer who has pioneered all kinds of new techniques, all kinds of different ways of playing it wrong, so to speak. That piece is for solo cello. He's called for a lot of new techniques in the bowing of the instrument. We heard Walter Grimmer performing. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. My theme today is Playing It Wrong, composers who are developing new techniques for instruments that probably were not dreamt of when the instruments were invented. For streaming versions of this and all previous episodes, you can visit relevanttones.com. The theme of today's show is Playing It Wrong, featuring music by performers and composers in which they're using instrumental techniques 
that kind of go against the grain of the instrument. You can think of like taking a ruler to the keys of the piano, not something that was meant to be done. And yet, there might be a very particular sound world or sound idea that the composer is looking for, and that's why they're pioneering these new techniques. Again, extended techniques are nothing new. They've been with us for a very long time, but composers are constantly looking for new things that they can do. And so on today's program, I'm trying to feature a variety of techniques that have been pioneered by composers or existing extended techniques that are being used in different ways, as is kind of the case in the piece that I want to play now for clarinet. This is by Eric Mandat, written for the great Robert Spring. And in this piece, he has not pioneered any new techniques necessarily, but I've rarely heard all of these techniques in one piece. And as soon as I say that, you can think to yourself, okay, there's a lot of extended techniques in this piece. He's pulling them all out, pulling out all the stops, as it were. It sounds like a lot of tricks to me. But no, they're very well integrated into the overall musicality of the piece. And I do believe that the extended techniques we're going to hear, which include multiphonics, double-tonguing, circular breathing, and use of microtonal notes, are very much at the service of a musical idea. Let's have a listen. This is Eric Mandat's Subtrains O Stratospheres for Solo Clarinet, performed by Robert Spring. Mm-hmm. 
Great performance by Robert Spring. That's music by Eric Mandat. We heard Subtrains, Ostratospheres for solo clarinet, throwing in so many extended techniques, but again, I do believe that they're integrated very well into his musical intentions. The part where he's circular breathing just gets me every time. I know people can do that, but nonetheless, I'm always waiting for the breath. And not only is he circular breathing at that time, but there's also these extreme register changes, some amazing fingering over the break in the clarinet, absolutely virtuosic writing by Eric Mandat, and what a great performance by Robert Spring. Let's turn now to Meredith Monk, and she is very well known for having pioneered extended vocal techniques. And this is pretty interesting. As I was researching this show, it seems to me that the voice was the last instrument where composers and performers decided to apply extended techniques. My theory for this is that the voice was always considered the most beautiful instrument. It is the human voice, after all. And so everybody wanted to have a very beautiful singing tone, whether they were singing Schubert or pop music or what have you. But when composers and performers inevitably decided that they wanted a more theatrical flair and the composer or the performer could scream, could have vocal trills, things like this, they were considered extended techniques for the voice, even though, of course, it's very much within the capabilities of all of our voices. But this was not how the voice was used in music, and so it was an extended technique. And Meredith Monk has done more than anybody, I think, to incorporate these into her compositions. The piece I want to play is called Dolmen Music. A dolmen is a prehistoric grave, and these graves are found all over the world. And to me, I think it's significant in this piece because there's very much a chant-like quality to the music that we're about to hear. And so I couldn't find program notes, but when I hear this music, I think to myself of Meredith Monk imagining these graves. And this really represents the first time that humans applied a ritual significance to death. And I feel that you can hear that in the music. We're going to hear an excerpt. Here are Paul Langland, Julius Eastman, Robert Ean, Monica Solem, Andrea Goodman, and Meredith Monk herself to perform as much as we can fit of Dolman music.
Six singers, one doubling on cello and one doubling on percussion, performing dolmen music by Meredith Monk. We've played as much as we could fit in of that fascinating, I think mesmerizing piece. There's so much going on there. The extended techniques in the voice, of course, but there's also this chant-like quality. I also hear kind of a Tibetan overtone sound going on. There's a lot of things that remind me of the Tibetan chant singing that uh, I'm sure she had heard and was influenced by. Wonderful things going on in Dolman music, again, by Meredith Monk, an absolute pioneer in extended vocal techniques. We have time for one more piece, and I thought it might be fun to feature a piece for solo bassoon. This is not an instrument that you think of when you think of, well, I have these pieces for solo instruments, first of all, and secondly, pieces that feature extended techniques. The flute, the saxophone, string instruments, these are the natural suspects when you think of extended techniques. And the bassoon is already such a difficult instrument. So when you think of pioneering new techniques for an instrument that's already so hard to play, well, who would do it? Well, here we have Rebecca Heller from the International Contemporary Ensemble. She has a wonderful CD of pieces that are exploring different uses of the bassoon. We're going to hear a piece called Calling by Dai Fujikura. The principal extended technique used here is a multiphonic, producing two pitches at once, which is virtually impossible on the bassoon, but she does a great job of it. There's also some very, very high writing almost reminiscent of the bassoon solo at the beginning of Stravinsky's Rite of Spring that at one time was considered impossible to play. Well, here she's even higher than that. Here's Rebecca Heller to perform as much as we can fit an excerpt of Calling by Dai Fujikura. Thank 
Music for solo bassoon using the extended technique that I did not think was possible on the bassoon prior to hearing this, and that is a multiphonic. There are a variety of ways that performers can get a multiphonic, sometimes through fingering, sometimes through overblowing. I'm not entirely sure how she's doing it on the bassoon because as a double reed instrument, it's very hard to do. That was Rebecca Heller from the International Contemporary Ensemble, an album that she put out of solo bassoon pieces, and we heard Dai Fujikura's Calling. That's all the time we have on the program today, playing it wrong. Very interesting subject, I think. Composers, performers, people that are constantly reinventing their instruments. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders, with special thanks to Rory Hartong-Redden. You can find us as a podcast on iTunes, and for more information about the program and the artists we've featured, and for streaming versions of all previous episodes, you can visit us at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is made possible in part by the generous support of GCM Grubner, the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, the Amphion Foundation, and the listener supporters of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts, Art Works. I'm Seth Bosted, and this is the WFMT Radio Network.